0: Did you know that 40,000 infants are placed in foster care every year? And they stay in the system on average for more than 31 months. Wow. Now while most couples are struggling to have children and adopt children, many children are in need of what I call angel parents. Those who can show them the love of Christ and be their spiritual covering in the most important years of their life. I guess today is not only a new dad, he's made it his life's mission to help father children who need it the most. Listen to his journey and be inspired. Stay tuned. Real Men Connect is next. Real Men Connect, episode 59.
1: Welcome to Real Men Connect. Are you ready to be the extraordinary man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be? Then get ready to receive wisdom and guidance from some of the country's most respected men of faith as you learn everything you need to know to go from good man to great man, God's way. No judgment, no shame, just real men with real challenges seeking real change, all for God's glory. Hello, mighty men of God, and welcome to the Real Men Connect podcast,
0: where we help good men become great men God's way. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Martin, and every week we interview some of the nation's most respected and accomplished men of faith to find out what it really takes to become the kind of husband, father, and spiritual leader God called and created us to be. Each interview session is packed with practical, proven biblical principles you can immediately apply in your relationships, on your job, and in your community. Today we have with us my friend Donald Gaston Jr., who is the host of the hugely popular Black Daddy podcast radio show that focuses on inspiring, motivating, and instructing fathers everywhere on how to step into their greatness. Now, in addition to being a husband, father, and educator himself, Donald is also a voiceover artist. And after you hear his voice, you'll see why (laughs) Donald has spent more than a decade working with families and students in the community and with parachurch organizations, both nationally and locally in the Orlando, Florida area where he lives. His desire is to see a new generation rediscover old school wisdom to solve new school issues in the areas of faith, family and finances. And that's exactly what he addresses on his podcast. Now, I met Donald through a mutual friend of ours, and I was blessed to be a guest on the Black Daddy podcast episodes 12 and 13, as well as make an encore appearance on his Father's Day show, episode 16. So you definitely want to check that out. Now, after speaking with Donald both on and off the air, I knew I had to have him on the show, not just because of his heart for men, fathers and family, but he recently became a dad just four months ago to a beautiful baby girl who I call his warrior princess, Gia. Now, even though Donald and his wife, Abby, are new parents, they're not new to parenting because they've served as licensed foster parents to seven children. So I invited Donald on the show today not only to talk about being foster parents, but what he's learned after the birth of his first child and becoming a new father. So with that, I want to welcome to the show today my brother in Christ and my friend, Donald Gasson. Donald, welcome to the Real Men Connect podcast, man. Mama, I made it. Mama, I made it. I'm on a real (laughs) man connect, what's up, (laughs) Joe? That's right. You going big time today, man. (laughs) Man, I
2: tell you, I
0: tell you, what's going on, man?
2: I'm happy to be here, man. Happy to be here.
0: And man, and and Don, I'm so happy to have you on the show, brother. Um, I first of all, congratulations on being a new dad. Thank you so much. And I know with that comes a lot of stress, and we're gonna get into that. But Donald, uh, as you know, you've listened to our podcast um, on several occasions. You know, we always like to start by asking our guests what their favorite Bible verse is, because we want to know what inspires these great men that we bring on the show. So, man, what's your favorite Bible verse and why? Man, Proverbs
2: 3, 5, and 6. It's kind of that that go-to verse for a lot of people, but I think for me, it's been a true anchor in my life, which says, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And I think uh, that verse, man, there's a key word there where he says to lean, and kind of in, in the original languages, it kind of... Pu- paints a picture of someone like supporting themselves on something. Um, almost like you would you would lean on a rail or lean on a on a crutch to kind of hold yourself up, man. And so uh that verse always reminds me, man, to to not lean on my own wisdom, to not lean on on the wisdom of the ways of the world or how awesome I think I am or how awesome I think somebody else is, but to lean upon the word of God and upon the wisdom that He provides through our relationship with Him, man. And I tell you, man, it never fails. And so so uh, that's my favorite verse.
0: You know, and that makes perfect sense, Donald. I know before you came on the air, we were talking about some recent news in the media. And right now it has us all scratching our heads like, why? What happened? But could you imagine if we had to lean on our own understanding, we'd go crazy.
1: Yeah, man. <laughs> so we
0: have to lean on the understanding of God because we do trust his His sovereignty. Now, before we get into you being a new father, because I'm so excited to hear your, I, I love talking to new dads, man, because <laughs> especially if you've been there, if you've gone through the process, you love to look back and see if they, first of all, if they repeated the same mistakes you did, yeah. but if they may be able to avoid them and also um, to be able to share with some of the new dads who are hoping to be dads one day to have them learn from your wisdom. But before we get into that, let's dig into your story. Yeah. Um, and I'm just going to be just, just blunt with you, Donald, what kind of father did you have? Man,
2: my, my dad definitely is is a hero of mine. Um and, and I say that because my dad was 19 and my mom was 17 whenever uh I was born. Mm-hmm. And uh as you know, Joe, in, in the 1980s, it's it's kinda it was at the at the height of the of the crack cocaine epidemic in many urban neighborhoods. And I think about my dad and how in so many ways, whenever you know they they had me, they were not married. But having that particular situation going on culturally and having different different stressors and and different things happening externally. It would have been easy for him to leave, man, just like many dads did leave or did get caught up in street life during that particular time uh, in urban America, man. But he stayed, man. And Mm so as I think of my dad, I would definitely say that he surely is one of my heroes, mainly because one, he stayed. But then two, man, he did the absolute best and does still do the absolute best with what he was given. My dad is one of 12 children. Wow. And so uh with that said, you know, obviously his experience growing up was way different, you know, than mine. I have a younger brother who is 5 years younger than me. Uh but I think about my dad, he is a man of few words. Uh he's a man of action. Uh he's a man of consistency. Uh he's a a, a very hardworking man. Uh he's all he's always been a blue collar guy. And so um I look at some of the other nuts and bolts and some of the some of the, the grit that I have as a man and I and I definitely charge it up to 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 my dad. I also charge up some of my my ways that aren't godly to my dad. <laughs> um maybe some of my uh at times uh impatience, sometimes my judgmentalism. Mm-hmm. Um but it's been so great because I've really seen uh really man like the grace of God play out through the life of my father um and what's been so neat is that you know obviously I'm 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 30 years old now and my dad uh will turn 50 this year and so it's kind of weird because it's like you know being 30 and your dad isn't quite 50 like it's kind of uh been this this thing where like as as he's still growing into a, a lot of areas man like he has a a grown son actually two grown sons who are now uh fathers themselves man and so it's been super interesting man to see him uh, transition, man, from just being a dad into now being a grandfather at such a young age and and to see that wrestle that he now has, man. And so I would just summarize all that by saying, man, my dad is definitely a huge impact in my life, huge influence, mainly because uh, although he has not been perfect, it's been beautiful to see how the grace of God has really carried him through and carry our family through uh, so much to where my brother and I can be the men that we are today.
0: And I got to tell you, man, that does my heart good to hear that. Because that you're absolutely right to think that your dad was 19 years old. My dad was 18 at the time. And a lot of time I extend a lot of grace to my dad, even though he wasn't there when primarily when I was growing up, is because I keep thinking, what would I have been doing at 18 or 19 years mm-hmm. old? So for him to have that kind of maturity, which and I hope I'm not being presumptuous by asking this. So what kind of dad did he have?
2: So uh, I would say from my dad to have from now and then then Joe. this this is from a distance from what I've seen over the years with my dad having um, a a father that was a father to 12 kids. I've seen over the years, especially as I grew into my 20s and I was able to have more insight. I see how in many ways my grandfather really was uh, a provider to his children, but in a lot of ways wasn't there for them emotionally. Mm -hmm. Um, He has been very uh, present, but not necessarily present emotionally. Uh, my dad will tell you that that he really can't think of of a time in recent memory where his father has said, I love you. And I can actually remember, you know, being around the age of maybe nine or ten and having a memory of my dad telling me that he loved me and how much it meant for him to say to me because he hadn't heard it from his father. And so uh, I would say my dad would probably say that his father although he was present he was absent emotionally and i think that's why my father fought so hard to be present both emotionally and physically from my, my brother
0: and i so here's a question i know we're not supposed to be this not to put your dad under the microscope but no, i'm just no, no, curious no. now and i would usually just go with the spirit leads me when we're having a conversation and i'm wondering with your dad then if he, your grandfather not being emotionally attached to him or at least giving him what he needs emotionally at 19 your dad being 19 years old where did he get his instruction where did he get his model you know it's so interesting
2: i think like a lot of um a lot of black men uh the matriarch of a family ends up becoming a huge influence
1: mm-hmm. and my
2: dad will tell you that i uh, get this joe my my mom's grandmother my great grandmother was a huge influence to my dad mm-hmm. um for the first 3 years i believe of my life my mom and my dad and I stayed with with my great-grandmother. And so for him to have, in a way, almost like a surrogate grandmother, uh, to to just really provide a sense of stability and a sense of support so that, you know, he can kind of go out and work and do what he needed to do. I think that my dad would say and I have heard him say in the past that in a lot of ways, my great grandmother served as his best friend and served as almost like an anchor to him in his greater time of vulnerability. And so. Um, it's really interesting, man, but I think, uh, God always has a way of being able to supply exactly what we need when we needed it. And I think in the case of, of my father and my young childhood, uh, his source of emotional stability was my great grandmother.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, we hear in the scriptures that God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. But we tend to think just, um, provisionally as far as financial, yeah. uh, as you, in your dad's case, we're talking about emotional, um, as well as having that family stability. But that is awesome. I I love hearing those stories because, you know, me working in education and and working with a lot of men, I just hear the contrary most of the time. But to hear that somebody um, looks at their dad as a hero, it just makes my heart sing on the inside, man. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. Now, let's shift gears a little bit, Donald. What inspired you to launch the Black Daddy podcast?
2: Man, so. My wife, Abby, is an amazing woman. And uh, we we got married at 23. And we, we knew from a, a very early time in our relationship that we were burdened for the family unit in general. Um, my wife is a, a licensed clinical social worker mm-hmm. and has her master's in social work. And then um, I also have a, a master's in family and youth ministries. And it was very clear for both of us, man, that that God was gonna do some things in our life because of our very unique life situations to be almost like a a conduit of his grace, man, to help restore families. We, we didn't know what it looked like and kind of like all the nuts and bolts of that, but uh, that was very clear to us early on. So fast forward to after we got married in 2009, my wife was uh, still doing some uh, social work, and she was a a case manager, where she would actually go into households and um and do assessments to say, okay, like this this would be a great foster home, or she would even uh be in, involved in some of the investigations of of children being removed from their biological parents, et cetera, et cetera. And what was so amazing about it was that. Uh, God started to to really form this burden and this passion and bring clarity to something that he birthed in both of our hearts at a very young age in college. And what that turned into was she came home one day and tears streaming out of it. She She's like, babe, I just don't get it. I don't get it. How I go into the these homes and these foster homes. And it's very apparent to me that, um you know, these parents, although they're giving these children stability, they're giving them food, they're giving them shelter, they're not probably giving them what they need most and that is a foundation spiritually and that's a sense of emotional health. And here we are, although we're young, we have that and it's apparent to us and we're not doing anything with it. Lisa, say, Joe, uh, I uh, huddled up in a corner, and I was like, oh, gosh. What's, what's <laughs> here it comes. In? Yeah, here it comes, right? No, no, no. I'm just kidding. But, um, man, what, what was so cool about that was that it really struck a chord. I was like, you know, like this is it. And so she was like, you know, I, I really want us to pray about becoming foster parents. And so we took you know, a, a good three, four, five months and wrestled and prayed over it and stuff like that. And then eventually we went through the, the licensure process. But to kind of bring the, the, the story to a close, man, Out of that experience, I quickly began to see that although we weren't biological parents yet, Mm -hmm. I began to see that um, just because of me saying yes to something that I had no idea about until later. But for me saying yes to a childhood dream that my wife had, which was to be um, a, a, a foster mother or a mother of some type to children. Uh, who didn't have, you know, parents, whether it was because of neglect or whether it was because of you know of their parents dying or whatever the case was, by me saying yes to that, that not only opened up so much for her, but it opened up so much for us. And just by saying yes to bringing in children who are not our own into our home, we were able to, for the short time that we had them, we were able to potentially set the trajectory for the rest of their lives mm-hmm. emotionally. Spiritually and physically. So, the Black Daddy podcast really was birthed out of years of journeying through uh, marriage, foster care, uh, grinding through uh, getting out of debt, and just this thing, this realization of man, here I am 30 years old, and we've had a lot of experiences. Uh, We've had a lot of bumps in our road. Uh, We've had a lot of valleys, a lot of trials and temptations. And how cool would it be to celebrate? Fatherhood. How cool would it be to celebrate being a young father? How cool would it be to celebrate, in particular, being a black young father and giving inspiration, motivation, and tools and different things to equip uh, fathers and those that they love? And so the Black Daddy podcast launched back in December of 2015. Mm -hmm. um, And it's doing quite well, man. So that's kind of the story of how we kind of arrived at this juncture of the Black Daddy podcast.
0: So, it's sort of like what you're saying is an extension of the love and desire you guys had to be parents for children without parents. yeah, and this is just an extension of that now you now you guys have fostered seven children though, yeah, seven children. What were the ages of those children?
2: so in foster care well in in particular here in orlando, um we uh you're you're licensed by by age group, and so um we chose to be licensed for ages zero to two. Um, so, you know, all the way from birth to two years old, Mm -hmm. uh, the youngest, uh, children that we had was a set of twin girls and they came to us at two weeks of age. Uh, and then, yeah. And then the oldest that we had, um, who was placed in our home, uh, was placed at 18 months, but then ended up leaving, uh, when they were, uh, almost two and a half. So
0: now, was there any particular reason why you guys were targeting, um, kids that young? Yeah. yeah,
2: so um through my wife's studies, man, um in in school and in 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 her uh graduate program and just, you know, in in her experiences as, as a professional, man, there was a huge correlation between uh emotional health and and babies. Um a baby's needs being met emotionally, uh physically and psychologically In that age gap, zero to two really has a lot to do with who they can become Mm -hmm. in those areas later on in their life, man. And so um, it was that, you know, from an educational academia type of thing. But then also just with our lifestyle and and, and being younger and being on the go, we figured, you know what, Um, we're both working people. So to have uh, older children. You know, because we're still figuring out life for ourselves. Right. Uh you know, <laughs> right. as 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 two year olds, uh it was just a really sweet spot for us to be able to to see to the needs of of babies and get them uh nurtured up and 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 caught up in in some ways. So uh that's the reason why we we chose that that, that age range.
0: Well, you know, and that makes perfect sense. I never thought about it that way, but um now you mentioned uh, just a minute ago about how you saw you said your wife noticed it that that these kids they weren't having they didn't have a spiritual foundation they didn't have a stability but mm. how does a family know beyond that how does a family know if they're ready to become foster parents in other words what do you think are the essentials of becoming successful foster parents
2: yeah so i think what f- first thing is this man is that um <laughs> from our experiences we've definitely seen that uh that there's just a there just needs to be a willingness i think um it's very trendy nowadays to to adopt, um, you know, if we if we see the uh, the celebrities and, and and different things like that who adopt internationally, you know, it's kind of Joe. Honestly, it's almost kind of kind of cute, you know. What I'm mm-hmm. saying, oh, let's let's go over to to China or Ethiopia or Haiti or whatever, and let's let's adopt the little poor kids. Right. But it, if truth be told, if we look at America, man, and, and, and our social care system, our foster care system, there is a huge need, in particular for teenagers in foster care.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: there is a huge need um for foster parents man and so we say you know what um we really want to uh be um we we just kind of want to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our own backyard man and so here we are in, in in Orlando where you have thousands and thousands and thousands of children in the foster care system in the Central Florida area and you're like you know what like th- there's this big need so i would say number 1 just just being willing i, I think number 2 Uh, Something that we learned early on was not having a romanticized uh, vision or idea about what foster care or about what adoption could be. Uh, Quite honestly, Joe is really grimy. Mm -hmm.
0: Um,
2: Many times, you know, even at the age range that we had, uh, whenever a child is taken out of a situation where it's just not stable Believe it or not, you know, and here's something that we've even seen in our in our baby girl, uh, kids pick up on all that. And if they don't if they're not taught the right coping skills, if they don't have a, a, a foundation of of security, man, like you play that out over years and years and years, man. And what morphs is something where you're like yo, what is wrong with this 10-year-old kid, you know? And it's like, you know, listen, like a lot of that started to happen whenever they were uh, six months, you know, 12 months, two, two years old, you know, four years old. And so uh, I think that's the second thing, man, having a real perspective. But then also, Joe, three, I think in terms of being prepared, uh, I believe that, um, you know, most cities, if not every city, uh, state, has a set of classes that you kind of go through where they talk about the good, bad and ugly of foster care. They talk about the legal side, they talk about the custody side, they talk about um, uh, all that you can do as a foster parent. And then they provide you with the resources that are gonna support you in your journey. So I just think, man, that those three things of one, being willing, two, having a realistic perspective, but then three, uh, just buying into the system, and what it's designed for. Now, quite honestly, Joe, like I think a lot of people like we did sometimes have the idea of potentially adopting out of foster care. Um, And like I mentioned earlier, when we first had our first set of of twin girls who came to us at two weeks, Joe, their case went on until they were 24 months. And then they eventually transitioned out of our home to go uh, live with um, with, with, with the relatives. And so, mm-hmm. uh, that's almost two years of a case being open and you not knowing what's going to, what's going to happen, which way is it's going to swing. And you have to have a sense of, um, of being anchored in what the mission of false care is, which is to serve as a temporary situation to really, to just be there for the kid until the system figures out what, what the next step is. Now, is the system perfect? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, do they get a lot wrong? Yep. But I think if people are just willing to be that go in between and to give those kids skills that that they can use later on, man, I think uh, you know for what it's worth, uh, we can do a whole lot more uh, good uh, as opposed to being apathetic and just saying how much can I really do?
0: You know, and, that's, and you gave some great tips and ideas, and and I want to make sure that um, we definitely include them in the show notes that people, cause I mean, a lot of people have questions about foster care, even though I know this show today is this episode is not about foster care. I told you even before we came on air, I did not want to go over this topic quickly because I know that there are a lot of people who may not be able to have kids or see, see there's a need for um, helping kids in their community, but don't know how, but this yeah. is a great way. So I'm glad that you um, kind of enumerated those points for us. So we'll know yeah. um, some of the things we need to be aware of now, now that you have, have Gia now as the new child. Are you guys going to st- continue to um, foster um, kids or are you, d- you guys done with that and just going to focus on your own family now?
2: Man, absolutely. I think uh, it's, it's amazing you asked that because we were just talking about this the other day. But having Gia has reinforced for us the mission that we are on uh, to be a part of seeing kids uh, given the opportunity. Just, just a chance, Joe. You know, um, I was looking ABC News I think I think this this is maybe uh in 06 they had a quote Joe what, what they said about 40,000 infants 40,000 infants not not teenagers not mm-hmm. school age children 40,000 infants are placed in foster care every year now on average those infants stay in the system for almost 31 months before wow. either being reunited with their families or adopted right mm-hmm. so that's 31 months Of a baby's life, Joe, that could potentially be super tumultuous. And so, man, we're like, listen, like this is going to be our life's mission until uh, we are under the earth, my brother. So. uh, So, yes. So, Gia, Gia, thank you, baby, for uh, for being born, because um, it it just it just makes sense, man. It makes sense.
0: And and God bless you for Donald, because as you're saying this, my wife, um, she we're in our our mid to late 40s now. And we have two kids who are now with our youngest getting ready to start high school. And she is constantly talking to me about foster care. Mm. And I'm going to try to see if I can prevent her from listening to this episode <laughs> because she's going to say, your, your boy told you on the air. Because what you're saying is absolutely true. Because we have taken in, we, we haven't been foster parents, but because my wife runs a business where she works with a, a lot of females, yeah. that those who are foster parents have let their children come over here so we can give them a break. Mm-hmm. So imagine us helping you and Abby out and say, hey we'll watch the the kids that you're fostering mm-hmm. while you guys go out on a date yeah and so we constantly have children over our house all the time yeah and that's been able to keep my wife at bay because since we have them here she you know but if we didn't have them here she'd be constantly asked we need to foster some kids
1: <laughs> yeah <You know? laughs> well, so,
2: hey, so so Joe real, real, real quick because I'm always trying to give people kind of like an end. Mm-hmm. So before we got our first um, placement, We did something what was called respite care. Now, respite care is for those who are licensed foster parents who don't have a placement um, at the time. But they just serve as almost like a babysitter, if you will, for for foster parents who are taking a break. So our first respite placement uh, was for a beautiful uh, little girl. She was she was 18 months. uh, But her foster parents just took a break for a week, man. And so she stayed with us for a week. And that really gave us a great sense of what our life was going to be at as foster parents. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And so uh, although you don't necessarily have to do. Um, You know, straight up like, hey, you have a placement for, you know, however long until they they, they get moved. There are other ways. I know know here in in Orlando, um, there is something called safe families um, where children are placed for very temporary uh, periods of time. So like it, it can literally go from 24 hours to three days to you know to eight days and so uh there's definitely different ways to 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 ease into it i, I, I don't want people to think that you know that by being a false parent that you just jump in you know right, right. and and you're kind of quote unquote locked down for you know for two years but there's definitely ways to ease into it and to say you know what this isn't for me or man like i love this this is for me and that's okay
0: you know i'm glad you said that because i didn't know that donald that they had those different type of um you know i guess sub-programs within the program but yeah. that's that's good to know i'm glad you pointed that out for us because i really do hope by even the our listeners hearing this especially the men out there that there like you said there's so many children who are in need and i didn't know when i'm glad you pointed out, i didn't know that 0 to 2 was so critical on their emotional their emotional development I didn't know that it played that big of a factor in it. So, mm-hmm. this is good stuff, man. You know, but it's time now. We got to transition you yeah, into yeah. being Absolutely. this this new dad, yeah, man. new father with your own. And yeah. uh, I I want to ask you, how did being a foster parent prepare you for being a new father? It was the best thing
2: I could have ever done, Joe. I I I tell my wife all the time, thank thank you so much for including me in, in your dream because now that that J is here, I think uh, the first thing that Definitely struck me was that um, I, I I don't freak out about much, you know. I, th- right. I think you know when we when we first had our our first foster care placement with, with the twins, uh, every little thing it was like, oh, game, man, you can't you, you can't let the pacifier drop. Oh, she pick that, you know, what I'm saying so. It was it was just that that constant being on edge. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that she's here, man, I definitely have so much more of a um, of just a a consistent uh, chillness about me to where it's like, I can just enjoy her and Mm -hmm. I can enjoy her as a person and nurture her as a person, as opposed to being concerned about, you know, the, the diaper stuff or, uh, being sleep deprived. I think also, man, um, being, being a foster parent also showed us, um, what parenting is is really all about, man. I think, uh, it showed us, yo, these kids are only going to be cute. You know what I'm saying in terms of being, you know, dressing them up in they in they, in they cute outfits and bows for a short time, but most of this is going to be about discipleship. Mm-hmm. So, man, um, I think uh, it's it really gave uh, me as a dad a super real perspective on what being a father really is. Um, and also, man, uh, shout out to my wife again, man, about uh, helping helping me to be a very hands-on dad. Um, it really gave me an experience where, uh, it took some of the Some of the other shock or some of the at at times um, compartmentalizing, like, yo, I'm about to go out here and work. You take care of the babies and I see y'all later. But like Mm -hmm. it really helped me to buy into the system of being hands on. So I'm loving it, man. It's been phenomenal.
0: You know what you're describing here about getting them to enjoy G a little bit more is no different than what parents describe when they have their second child. Yeah, you know, because that's that basically what you had with being a foster parent. You now this is really like your second child. Yeah, and so I, I, even though you had seven <laughs> kids, <laughs> I would look at it as being it's the parenting experience. So you now realize that wow, God has given you and blessed these children not just for us to parent them, but to enjoy them, and let, as you said, to also disciple them. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about they're going to be cute for a little while, I, it reminds me of um one time um my wife, my ex-wife, she was saying with my. Son was about maybe five or six. She said, Joe, you talk to him like he's an adult. like that, right? <laughs> And I said, you know why I talk to him like he's an adult? She said, why? I said, because he's going to spend more time as an ugly adult than a cute child. That's
1: right. right. I'm
0: just preparing him. Yeah, you got that right. <laughs> What's coming? That's so funny, man. That's so true, bro. That's but, you so are, but you're right on it. that. I'm glad. that That is great now that you're getting to enjoy your daughter without being stressed out. How cool is that, man? Yeah. Yeah. Now, but I got to ask you this. Now, personally when I became a father, Donald, I had never um seen an example of what a good one looked like. Mm-hmm. And you have with your dad being your hero. So, I got to just confess, I was afraid. I was going to make a lot of mistakes as a father. Mm-hmm. Were there some th- th- even though now Gia's here and you had your, you had your dry run being a foster parent. <laughs> were there some what were some of your fears? Did you have mm-hmm. any fears about becoming a dad even in spite of being a foster parent?
2: Yeah. Um the the majority of our foster kids were, were girls. Um, and talking about it, a prelude, <laughs> yeah, yeah, crazy, right? It really, it really challenged me, Joe. Um, as uh, and I, I think I saw you post this, uh, this, this past week on on your Instagram, but it, it was something to the effect of, uh, thinking about the kind of man that you want for your daughter and how, in so many words, you need to be, the model of that kind of man, right? Um, and I think something that I was definitely afraid of, something that that I wrestled with, was: Am I the kind of man that, as Gia, e- even at at the age of, of four months, as she as she looks at me, um, mm-hmm. as she picks up on like how I move, as she as she's listening to and watching how I talk to her mom, um, as she's picking up on on all these things? Am I modeling for her? Uh, the the real idea of what manhood is
1: right.
2: uh but then twofold um as as these little memories start to go in, into her little memory bank um what am i creating um whenever i'm aware and whenever i'm putting on you know what i'm saying and at the times where where i slip up uh and so that that was a huge question for me of man like am i being the kind of man and the kind of example uh that I want Gia to be with uh, in the in the future. Am I modeling a healthy, a healthy model of, of a manhood for her? And sadly, you know, some days, man, I I, I feel at that, you know, mm-hmm. but th- thank God that's where that's where grace comes in. But I think, uh, man, I have a huge desire to want to get it right. And I think that's that's what matters. And that's what pleases God.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I'm, I'm sure when you find out that that um, Abby was pregnant and you started spreading the word and everybody started getting all excited for you. I'm sure you had a lot of fathers giving you advice yeah. <laughs> before yeah, man. your baby was born. Th- was there any particular advice that stuck out to you the most while yeah. while she was pregnant or what was getting you prepared to be a father?
2: Man, I think, uh, so we didn't know what we were having uh, until the day that Gia was born. So we didn't, we didn't know if, if it was a, a boy or a girl. Um, and I think as I kind of sifted through you know, both the, the advice, if it's a boy, do this. If it's a girl, do that. Mm-hmm. I think the common denominator was, um, and, 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 and again, I've been so privileged to have, in terms of my inner circle, mm-hmm. uh, golly, golly men um, around me who hold me to a, a, very, a very high standard. And one thing that they've talked about is, um, is enjoying it because, one, it goes about really, really fast. Right. Uh, but then to uh, Donald, you're going to have a bigger impact on your child more, more than, you know, mm-hmm. both the things that that you've done before this point and all that you will do after this point. And, you know, in some ways, man, it's, it, it's really helped me to to up my prayer life because I know that, you know, uh, and we talked about this before, Joe, that in my past, man, there's, there's some, some, some dirt, you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Like there's, um, there's just, you know, sin, sin has been an issue in my past. And so I don't, I don't want those iniquities. I don't, I don't want those, those habits. I don't want those bents to, to fall down to my child, you know? And so, uh, you know, and Jesus is, is, is sufficient in, in his blood. It covers all, but Hey man, at the end of the day, if we're not careful, man, uh, certain things will take ruin. So I would say, man, um, people saying, "Hey, enjoy it, Donald," but then two, uh, wake up to the fact that you have a lot of influence. Uh, those two things, man, uh, help me have a little bit of a help me to hold my back up a little bit straighter. Help me to put some hair on my chest. I hear you, man. <laughs> so yeah, man.
0: Now you say your dad wasn't a man of, of, of many words; that yeah. he was tend to be kind of quiet. I, I'm just curious. What advice did he give you? What did he say to you, man? So, although my dad's
2: a man of few words, whenever he says something, it's it's very it's normally very humorous. But then he also has like these colloquialisms and the and these sayings that only he can say. And and one thing that had, that I remember him saying whenever we we first talked about ever being pregnant was uh, first thing he asked was. Well, at least I know they're gonna be staying this time, you know, because he had he had experienced like so many of of our foster children like leaving. You know? Oh, um, okay. And so, so I was like, "Really, Dad? Like that's, <laughs> that's 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 really how you feel?" Wow. Um, so that was the that was the, the the first thing. So he he was really happy about that. He, at least now I know they that they're gonna be staying. So that was, that was the first thing that, wow. that made us laugh. But then, but then, two, he just said how how proud he was. Mm-hmm. Um. And to hear your your dad say that, um, you know, although all you know he he said it before, I think at this juncture in both of our lives, like I talked about, you know, at at the beginning, man, like to see him turning turning this corner as a, as a man and as an older man, for him to have <clears throat> a sense of satisfaction mm-hmm. and a sense of accomplishment and seeing. His his oldest son and his his youngest son because my my niece was actually born f- four weeks a- after Gia but but seeing both of his sons uh, now carry on in a way his his legacy mm-hmm. uh, whatever that is and I don't I don't even know if if my dad would articulate it you know a certain way but uh, for him to be at that juncture in his life man I I think that that was very uh, and and has been super re- rewarding for him so. Uh, Those are are two quick, quick nuggets. One is is kind of funny, but one is super, uh, Mm -hmm. super sentimental, man, that I have have definitely stick with me.
0: You know, and you mentioned earlier about how when you look back at some of the mistakes that you've made as a man and you don't want to see those things continue in the next generation because you know we hear in the bible about this generational curses and everything but we also forget that there can also be generational blessings amen to that man. and if we like you said if it's covered under the blood the generational curses and we put that before god and and call out to god to help us we can start setting up generational blessings yeah and the fact that your dad told you that he was proud of you and boy i want the men to really grasp grasp this um one of my mentors um is pat morley matter of fact he's Based down there where you are. um, Yes, Man in in the Mirror, mirror. right? Yeah. Yeah. He wrote a book called Dad in the Mirror, which I highly recommend that men read because I was, and that's going to go with my next question I'm going to ask you in a second. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But (laughs) but he had mentioned, this book was great, but at the end of the book, he said, if you don't remember anything um, that you read in this book, he said, remember this, make sure you tell a child that you love them and that you're proud of them. Mm hmm. And we underestimate the power of words, especially when you have males. Yeah. But I, and I still encourage you to do this with Gia, too, is to let her know how proud you are, because look, you're 30 years old. And when he said that to you, you know, it still meant a lot to you. Yeah, man. It impacted you. And, you know, and you know, your dad loves you. Yeah. 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 But boy, to hear a man tell you that it just I don't know, man, it's just something. So I, I try to um, to do that with my children. I remember after I read Pat Morley's book. I decided to do that with my son. I said, you know, what? I tell my little love him all the time, but I don't think I tell him I'm proud of him. And this <laughs> is sad. Oh, This is sad, Donald, but I got to keep it real. He was about six after I read Pat Morley's book, right? So I go put him to bed and I put him to sleep. We pray, put him to bed. And I said, Kendall, I love you. And he said, I love you too, dad. And I said, I'm proud of you. He said, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was his question. I, kids, said, I said, you didn't do anything. He said, So yeah. why are you proud of me if I didn't do anything? I was like, yeah. wow, I need to tell him that more often <laughs>
2: That's crazy. Yeah. Kids are kids are so are so honest, aren't they? Yeah. And,
0: but yeah. it convicted me. I'm thinking, yeah. wow, I'm not telling him that enough. I need to start telling that more. He thought he had to do something. Wow. In order for him for me to be proud of him. And mm-hmm. so I know when you say that, when hearing your dad says say that, even at an older age, that it does make an impact and it does mean something. Yep, 100% it does. Yes, now, let, let me shift gears a little bit, but I, this goes along, along with Pat Morley's book, though. When I first became a father, God revealed to me um, after my son was born that I didn't um, need to be the perfect father because, mm-hmm. I mean, I was felt like I was making a lot of mistakes, Donald, because mm-hmm. I didn't have a, a blueprint. I didn't have yeah. a model. Yeah. Was there anything that God revealed to you? after Gia was born about being a father that was kind of like a great revelation to you. Was there anything that he uncovered for you?
2: Oh, man. So, uh, I think like, like any young father does, you just, you just start reading everything you can that, that you feel like you are mm-hmm. maybe incompetent on, uh, before the, the baby comes. Um, and kind of in my, in my reading two books really blessed my life. Uh, one book was, um, the seven secrets of effective fathers by, uh, Ken Canfield.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, and
2: then the second one was um, the fatherhood principle by Miles Monroe. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the Miles Monroe book, uh, he says something where he talks about how the father is the foundation, uh, for the family, how a foundation in a building is not seen, mm-hmm. right? But depending on how strong it is, it either helps or hurts the rest of the building. So if a building is on a, a weak foundation, you know, it, it'll, it'll, it'll crumble. And there were two nuggets in that, in that particular passage that, that I was reading the book, man, that will forever stay with me where he said, one, a foundation isn't, isn't seen. You just know that it's there. And he asked, a question. he says, is, is your, is your, your presence felt in your household, not in a machismo mm-hmm. overbearing kind of way, but is, the evidence of who you are felt in your household just solely based on who you are as a man and obviously you know as you and I would say who you are in Christ and and the and the benefits of that right one but then two when well, he talks about how in society the male is the anchor in society how whenever everything else is going is going crazy how men are designed to give both security and stability and so saying that on I'll never forget on Gia's birthday when whenever she was born uh, we have a, a a really amazing like birth story but I remember catch, catching Gia as she as she's born and she looks up at me and and she cries right and mm-hmm. her umbilical cord is, is is still attached and my wife is is looking she's like so so what is it? Is it, is it a boy or a girl and I'm <laughs> I'm like it's a girl and man it, it was just like a split maybe like twenty seconds where. I feel like the Lord spoke to my heart of Donald, she is your legacy and you need to not again, not walk in your own strength. Mm -hmm. But you need to remember that as the foundation of your household, that not only now is your wife looking to you, but now she's looking to you. You know, so I I just remember having this 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 moment of like, oh, my goodness gracious. And so uh, I would say, man, that that was something that from the gate God has reminded me of over and over again, man, that um, it rests on me. And that's a good thing, Joe. That's Mm -hmm. that's not something that I have to run from or that I have to complain about. Like, by by the very way that God has designed me as a man, like, that's what he. That's what he's called me to, not because of like I'm so awesome, mm-hmm. but because of like he's designed me to be that way, and so like everything that he's already put in me, um, he's he's designed for me to be able to carry that thing out. So, uh, so that those those are just two two quick things, man. I was like, yo, like God, that's definitely you speaking right now. So uh, definitely.
0: Oh, that that is good, and I love the way you said that, and and I hope that that point is not missed. That we were called to this. It is not something that we can we've done on our own that God has already built us and equipped us yep. to be this. So all he's doing and when our walk with him is seeing him he said he's gonna ask, Can I get it out of you? Yep. Can I will you follow me and will you trust me to obey me so I can pull out of you what I've already planted in you. Mm. That that is so powerful, Don. I never really thought about it that way because In other words, you have to work at being a bad father. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's real. It's it's us pretty much rebelling against our normal DNA, how God has created us. I I never thought about it that way. That's a great point. Now, I I do need to go here with this question, though, Donald, and I'm sure you don't mind me asking. Now, tell me, how has having a new baby affected your relationship with Abby? Man. uh... (laughs) Tell the truth. um, Shame the devil. (laughs) Yeah,
2: I'm going to just testify, man. And, we, and we'll talk talk about this a little later, I feel like. But uh, one thing that I can say for maybe, I, I, honestly, I, our first four or five years of marriage, man, were just rough, mm-hmm. uh, even in doing foster care. But a lot of it was rough because we, although, again, you you read books and you have great mentors and this, this, and that, and that, but at the end of the day, when you lay in your bed with your wife, it's just y'all too. And mm-hmm. so the issues that y'all are having ain't because of nobody else. It's because of y'all too and your failure to either be responsible or to communicate or to pray together or what, whatever the case is. And so I think now that J is here, man, one, my my respect level for my wife has gone up by 2000 percent because, you know, seeing your wife give birth mm-hmm. and, you know, and risk a lot to do that. It's like, wow. That's that. That's that's one. But, but but then two, it's definitely changed the way in which we communicate with each other because now it's like, wow, like Gia is taking all this in, you know. And so it, it's not that we act fake and that you know it's all you know it's all sunny and it's all you know Disney World over here, you right. know what I'm saying? But uh, we are more cognizant of how we fight,
1: mm-hmm, or
2: mm-hmm. we're more cognizant of what we say. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are. A whole lot more just supportive, man, because it's like, yo, like we're really building a whole lot right now, you know? And mm-hmm. so, you know, I hate to sound like super positive, man, but I, I mean, the last four months for us has been out of this world because one, I think uh, my wife has a, a distraction in So she's not, she's not mm-hmm. riding me a whole lot about some stuff. Like, you know, you can get, get away you, with a lot more you, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, man. Oh, man. I'm, I'm loving
0: it. I'm loving
2: it. I'm loving it. Um, but, but definitely, man, it is really giving us, a, um, a blessing to to just marvel at, man, for, for sure. My testimony will say that, man, like we went through a whole lot like up front so that we can rejoice um in this amazing uh mountain that that we're on right now. So I'll take
0: it, Joe. I'll take it. You know, and I'm I'm joking with you and playing with you, but you, but that's what God intended it, that it was supposed to pull you guys and pull you guys closer together one of the i think the biggest myths and this is when um people are going through as couples when they're having hard times they may make a decision they say you know what maybe we need to have a child because mm-hmm. for some strange reason they think well if we have a child that's going to draw us closer together it's going to make our marriage um stronger if we bring a a child together and i think it's i think they're misguided in that i think and you tell me if i'm wrong i believe a child doesn't um, Make your marriage stronger It tests how strong your marriage is 1000% <laughs> right. And that's what 1, you're proving 000%. because obviously You guys would not be growing, drawing Close together if you did not have a strong marriage But yeah. Gia coming along now has tested that How strong is your marriage Are you guys willing to communicate with more Intention like you said Will you now, do you respect each other's roles a lot more? You respected her before, but you respect her even more now.
2: Oh, oh man. Oh, man. Oh, man. I, I grovel at her feet. I, I'm
0: like, whatever you need,
2: sweetheart. Yes,
0: man. Oh, I hear you, man. I, I, know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Now, but Donald, it's time for our man up questions, man. These are five quick questions, starting with the letters M-A-N-U-P. And all they require is your fearless honesty, which you won't have a problem with at all. Yeah. So the question is, dude, are you ready? Let's do it, man. All right, and we'll come back right after this short break with our guest, Donald Gasson of the Black Daddy Podcast. Do you know that no one has ever become a champion without a coach? Think about it. Any athlete who's ever made it to the Olympics, let alone won a gold medal, has ever gotten there without a qualified coach or a group of coaches. So if that's the case, if you're serious about becoming a champion husband, father, or leader, then my question is, who's coaching you? That's why I've officially launched the Real Men Connect 21-Day Coaching Program. My goal? To help you become the man and spiritual champion God called and created you to be. If you're going to succeed as a man of God, it's going to take faith, wisdom, and accountability. So you need a proven Christian coach, mentor, and teacher who's literally helped hundreds go from good to great God's way. I've been an award-winning educator for more than 23 years, and I've been coached and trained by some of the best in the country. So whether it's strengthening your faith, improving your marriage, growing your ministry, or even breaking an addiction, Let me coach you for 21 days to help you finally get the breakthrough you've been looking for. Just go to realmenconnect.com or call 423-763-7675 for details. Availability is limited, but satisfaction is guaranteed. All right, we're back. And Donald, you said you're ready for the man up questions, man. And the M stands for mistake. Stands for mistake. Now we're gonna get off you being a new dad. We know we've asked you a lot of questions about that, but let's get back to you being a man. What mistake did you learn the most from as a man? The power of instant gratification and
2: and credit cards and not spending money wisely that can do a whole lot more damage to a man's his values. Uh, his stress levels. <clears throat> and this was a lot of damage done before I got married. Mm-hmm. So eventually it can do a whole lot of damage to your marriage if you're not careful. So instant gratification uh, sucks. Don't do it. It can have a whole <laughs> lot more repercussions than you think.
0: You know, and talking about, you know, even attaching that to um, being a parent and talking about an instant gratification i would think that even having a child if anything that you're going to benefit from having a child is going to teach you patience yeah whether yeah. you like it or not and whether you succeed at having patience or not is going to teach you patience It's going to try try your patience and that patience means waiting and waiting on god a lot of times to see things happen the way you want them to happen yeah now let's let's go to the letter a at which stands for attitude if you could change one mm. attitude, because you, you know, you run the Black Daddy podcast and you deal with a lot of fathers. Mm. If you could change one attitude in fathers particularly, what would it be?
2: Apathy, man. Oh. Uh just, a, just you know that's apathy. a hot
0: word for me, but that's like uh that's Bro. one of those uh like nails in the chalkboard. I can't stand apathy, but go ahead. I hate to interrupt. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah,
2: no no no, you're good, man. I, it could because it's true, because I fight it in my own life. Just right. just just not caring. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. uh, babe, what do you want for dinner? I don't care. Uh, babe, what what do you want to go? I don't care. But like (laughs) being, being a man of just decision, like just, yo, Donald, Donald, make, make the decision and put it on you. If if it goes bad, suck it up. It's okay. But if it goes good, bro, like that's dope. Like that's cool, man. But just, yo, uh, as a man being apathetic to, to me, because again, I struggle with it. I have to fight it. I have to kill it every single day of my life. But caring is important, man. Like you, you, you need to care. Like mm-hmm. you need to, because people are looking to you to decide. And guess what? It's okay if you make the wrong choice. Like there's, there's grace and that's how you learn. But apathy.
0: You know, and I tell you, that's such a big thing with me. I, th- I call it the silent killer. Yeah. And I said, why, God, why does that bother me so much? And I think. When I go back and look at my own life, like you said, you can see traces of apathy. But if you go all the way back to Adam, that was Adam's problem. So true. You mm-hmm. know, when you know, when Eve decided to eat their fruit, he was, he was standing right there by him. And, and I can hear him saying, well, I don't care what yeah. she does. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> do what you want to do is not that big of a deal. It's that <laughs> apathetic attitude. We are not called to be passive. We are to, right. We're called to, uh, to make be decisive and make decisions and live with the consequences of those decisions. Mm. now donald the n stands for next now you i know you're doing a lot of different things and even mentioned in your intro we've mentioned that you were a voiceover artist Um, what's the next big thing Mm. you would attempt to do for god if you knew you couldn't fail
2: i know i couldn't fail joe i I would sit down with a hundred young men Mm -hmm. um from ages i would say 17 to i mean you know if if they if they still hold to what the world says it's adolescence ut- until 30, but, <laughs> but a hundred young men, man, who are in a relationship. And I would sit down with them, man, and do some type of premarital counseling with them mm-hmm. to kind of navigate through the reality of if they're dating a woman, the reality of, yo, you need to make a decision about this relationship. where, where's where it going? But then two, yo, marriage is an amazing thing. Like, this is again, we're talking about design like, hey, there's a special gift in the Bible of singleness and like God, God gives that to some people. But for, you know, a lot of people, if you have a desire to to be with someone, in particular men, like God's design is for you to be in a committed covenantal relationship with a woman to enjoy all the benefits of that. So I would say, man, if I could have like 100 young men mm-hmm. that I would do some type of premarital counseling with to ignite something in them. Uh, for again, those, those old school values, man, for new school solutions. If you look at the brokenness of young men in our world today, Joe, uh, and this is black, yellow, white, Chinese, whatever, like across all socioeconomic, uh, uh, lines, like all ethnic lines, et cetera, et cetera, man. Like there is definitely, and and you know, this Joe, we're working with men, there is definitely something to be said about calling a man to responsibility. And and, right. I, and I'm super convinced, man, that that uh, that being married and learning how to channel and how to funnel the self-control that it takes to commit to one woman and, and all that comes with that, uh, that it does wonders for a man. I'm, I'm convinced that, Joe, the blessings that I received up until this point being 30 years old, I look around. I'm like, you know what? Thank you, Lord, for giving me a burden and a passion uh, for sex, because that then drove me into uh, your design for uh, sex, which is in marriage. So it's like, yo, there were a lot of different things that I love about my wife and I wanted to honor God. But uh, a big part of that was, man, listen, like I want to do things the right way. And I'm convinced that being married young, it caused me to focus and it caused me to. I ask a lot of questions about just um, really, man, like responsibility and legacy and thinking ahead, which now I look at this all that God has done, man. I'm like, yo, I know for sure that that is definitely one, one of my top three decisions that I made in my 20s that has affected, you know, my mid 20s and my 30s and, and will affect the rest of my life for sure.
0: And well said, too, Donald. Well said. Because we keep thinking marital counseling after a person gets engaged. And so they need to go to premarital counseling. I think we need to start doing this while they're in middle school. Oh, 100%. <laughs> they said, why? I said, because you got to prepare. You don't wait till they get engaged to start preparing young men for marriage. We need yeah. to start that at an earlier age. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. Now, you mentioned a lot of things about what you've learned as a man, but we're going to ask you to add on to that because you represents understand. When you were younger now, what was one thing that you didn't understand about being a man, but you know better now, in addition to what you've already shared with us? Oh my goodness gracious.
2: Um, this was a really hard one for me to answer because I I, I, I still feel like there's a lot I don't understand right. about, about, about being a man. But I think about when I was younger, one thing that I didn't understand about being a man was how can a man not walk? With God, and still be blessed uh mm. because or, mm. or or what appears to be to be blessed right you know because you kind of kind of growing up whether whether it's on, on t v or in the community different things like that as a kid, you pick up on uh certain people and you kind of start to you know put people in these boxes of kind of like these these are kind of good people these are kind of bad people right? right um and as you get older you you kind of learn like what what that is and you know and what it what it really is, but I think that as a young kid, I had the insight to 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 see that that yo know, like there are men out here who, you know, they don't do what they need to do or or they make wrong choices or whatever, and it seems like they maybe like get away they get away with it or maybe they don't experience like hard things. Mm-hmm. But now being older, I see that man that potentially could could be true that there is a way to, to success by worldly standards. But now that I know better, <laughs> now that I really see what it really is that you can have, again, you can gain the whole world, mm. uh, but in the end lose not only your soul, but you know you can lose things that really matter a lot to you, man. So I just, Absolutely. you know, I just, just by, by the grace of God, man, I just want to be a man nowadays that understands that, listen, in order for you to be truly successful uh, eternally, uh, you have to have, a, a code, uh, a set of values that aren't of this world, because uh, as we talked about before, man, uh, at times this world system is clearly failing. Uh, but, man, I look at the godly men from both near and far and it's like, yo, that that dude is winning. And so I want to do whatever he's doing.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: That's good insight. Donald. I, I, I love that. That is good. Now, the last letter represents Pete and his problem. Now, yeah. as a mighty man of God, which you are, yeah. What one problem in your life do you still struggle with, even as a man today? Inadequacy, man. I look
2: at a lot of the things that, and as, as you know, Joe, like whenever you step out and you say, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead this or lead that,"
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, you have to fight through issues of not feeling worthy enough or not feeling competent enough, um, or just being afraid of criticism or being afraid of not wanting to be perceived as like, oh, like. He think he think he he got it all together, or oh, right. like he he judging or this or that. And at times, man, um, I really it, it 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 drives me to feel inadequate. Uh, and it drives me when I feel inadequate, I can become a lone ranger. Hmm. Uh, but something really special happened to me, man, about coming up on a year ago, where uh, you know, we've we've uh, been super passionate about, you know, being committed to, our, to our, our our local church and you know over over the last uh seven years of of being married, you know, we've served in church and, and done and done different different things and through the ministry and we've been a part of, you know, um parachurch org- organizations, et cetera, et cetera. But man, what I realized is that, yo, here I am doing things in the church, but I'm not really a part of the church. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't have close relationships with with men And my wife, for all intents and purposes, I'm not providing her opportunity to have relationships with women of our local body Mm -hmm. who have our cell phone number, who know where we live and who are going to be in a really good way, who are going to be on our butt Mm -hmm. about being the people that God has called us to be. And man, when I say um, that that inadequate part, man, that that can drive me into being a lone ranger, I think that uh, praise God, man, for the local church. A lot of people bash, you know, churches and bash the local church. I'm like, yo, the the local church is really the hope of the world. A lot of what we experience is because, sadly, people are right because the local church gets into uh, other things. They they fight about stuff and they mm-hmm. get off on tannins or whatever the case is, man. But as an encouragement to every man who is listening. If you, you know, if you know Jesus and you are not in a local church and you like me, maybe you have issues or maybe you're just busy, you know, in doing church and you're not really like accountable to, to anyone. Like it is a lifeline and it has been a lifeline. It's Joe it has been in- invigorating for us on so many levels and it's held us accountable in areas that, quite frankly, we don't want to be held accountable in. Right. But you know what? it's good for us and is is it's so necessary. Um, and as at the end of the day, like God receives glory and people are helped and they're healed and they're set free and they're given purpose, um, and vision. And so, man, uh, that's definitely the problem that I've struggled with, but, but praise God for the solution.
0: But you know, and you're absolutely right. And when the church is acting right <laughs> and, and as a body, we are, It's one of the best. It's it's the hope for the world if it's acting right and it's living up according to the purpose that God has put it put it on this planet to do. And so I'm glad to hear that that you recognize that even as a young man, which is very impressive that you recognize that even at 30 years old, that that's necessary for you and your wife, because I tell you, people who don't have accountability can't be counted on. And that's mm. what I always say. And so I'm glad that you um, you shared that. And thank you for your transparency and your honesty with that, Donald, because that's why I asked the man up questions, because I want us to get a peek into the lives of great men, strong men who says, you know what? Yeah, I'm moving in the direction God wants me to move, but it's not the easiest path. I still have challenges. I still have struggles. So thanks for mm-hmm. sharing that, man. Absolutely. You got it, bro. And guys, can you guys believe this? We're at the end of our show today, uh, mm-hmm. but don't you worry. You know, we'll always come back next week if God's willing, to, with a new guest, with new insights and new lessons. So make sure you don't miss it. And I like to thank my guest, Donald Gaston, for joining us today for being so gracious with his time. Donald, thank you so much, brother, for sharing your time with us.
2: Hey man, one hundred man, I love you, bro. And you know, from the from the moment we we talk. Months ago, man, I, w- I was convinced that uh, this would just not be something that we would do in terms of podcast, in terms of uh, our, our ventures, man. But that this is truly like a, a friendship, and a, I love you like a like an older brother. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to say like a like a uncle or a father because I don't. I don't well, want Well, you, you to just feel said old, your dad but. is
0: getting close, pushing fifty. I'm push, getting ready to push fifty, so I could be your dad. You know, just changed our relationship. <laughs> but no, man, I really appreciate. It. I remember when I was on your show, and you had asked me about how do I feel about the state of men and and fathers. And I told you that I, I, I tend to get heartbroken over it, but then I meet guys like you and Jay Mayo who introduced us and see what you young guys are doing. And it does give me hope and it does inspire me. So thank you so much. But I got to ask you, you know, if, if anybody wants to find out more about the Black Daddy podcast and find out how they can get in contact with you, Donald, how can they reach out to you? How can they find out what you're working on? Absolutely,
2: man. So just simply uh blackdaddypodcast.com mm-hmm. uh or they can email me at hello, like hey, how you doing? So hello at blackdaddypodcast.com and um it truly is that simple. I could throw out the Twitter and Instagram and stuff, but man, we'll, we'll keep it simple. So uh blackdaddypodcast.com or email me at hello at blackdaddypodcast.com.
0: And what we'll do also we'll add your social media links and everything because I'm sure when they go to the, the website they can link with you on social media through that as well, but we'll put that in the show notes just as well. And guys, thank you for listening as always. um, Do us, oh, by the way, don't let me forget this. Please do us a favor. This is so important. Take about 30 seconds and go over to iTunes and rate the program. It's the best way to help us get this program in the hands, ears, and hearts of men just like you. And for all you guys who have been leaving reviews and rating, it does help. It gets us out there and gets us with a farther reach and easier search than the engine. So appreciate all the reviews, the comments, and everything you guys have been sending to us. And please don't keep us a secret. Share us with your friends. Until next time, I'm Joe Martin, your man builder with RealMenConnect.com, reminding you that we are males by birth, but we are men by choice. So each and every day, choose to be the man God called and created you to be because a male is a terrible thing to waste. Until next time, stay strong, stay blessed, and as always,
1: stay in his grip. Thank you for listening to the Real Men Connect podcast with Dr. Joe Martin. Real Men Connect isn't just a podcast. It's a mission, ministry, and movement to help good men become the great men God called and created us to be. And the best is yet to come. So if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and leave us a review in iTunes. It really helps us to build the podcast and to reach, teach, and impact more men, all for the glory of God. And make sure you check out realmenconnect.com to get our free tools and resources to help you go from good man to great man God's way. Again, that's realmenconnect.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.